This is Lori Frary, and welcome to Pressure Valve. No long intros, just long content. Hi, Cindy. Glad you could join me, and I really appreciate your time and the opportunity to speak with you. And why don't you tell my audience and those who are listening from your side of the pond uh, a little bit about who you are, and we'll just start talking about topics because that's what I like to do. Hello, Laurie. It's uh, great to connect with you. So I'm Cindy. I live in Victoria, which is um, the southeastern tip of Australia. I, I grew up in Melbourne. I moved to to Athens, Greece, because that's um, my heritage. And I lived there for just over 17 years during the... Um, was there for all the bad things that seemed to happen. Um, including the global financial crisis which reverberated around the world after the uh, economic, uh, after the bubble, after the housing bubble in 2008 in, in America. It is my belief that uh, Europe, they were the last sort of death throes of Europe, particularly Southern Europe, um, France, Spain, Portugal, Italy, Greece, Cyprus and, and Ireland uh, got the brunt of it. They actually used to call us pigs, the people from the IMF and the Troika group. And this is basically the uh, financial groups that are tied to the World Bank, uh, the United Nations and World Economic Forum. Um, They were there to just dismantle the last bit of sovereignty that was left in Europe. And they did that by with with financial demolition. It's always the way financial demolition uh, means that somebody or, or a country, some any entity cannot be independent. And as soon as that independence, independence is removed, then you can do anything. You know, when you, when a country is beholden to to loaned money and um, private bankers, well, then they have they have to stick to whatever the rules are, whatever those conditions are. And um, okay. having having lived that, um, I think played a, a major role in. Um, my awareness of global politics and understanding of how the world works. It's also given me a lot of insight as to be able to see patterns that I've already lived. I don't want to harp on about Greece, but this is this is a global takeover. And I just happen to have a different vantage point from most people who are living in Australia or in America. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that because somebody who lives as somebody who lives in America, and especially in Florida, which was very hard hit by that same economic meltdown, I found myself do what everybody else was doing, and that was to try to modify a mortgage that I had just taken out at the top of the bubble. Before I knew it, I found myself being foreclosed on and had to fight that for nine years. Was finally able to prevail over them a couple of years ago and was able to save my home, but I learned everything there is to know about how the financial system works and how it doesn't work for people, what caused that bubble and what effects that bubble had and the whole nine yards. So I I, I felt it from my own perspective and it was quite a wake up call for me too. I don't know if I would say, oh, you're lucky because you fought for nine years and that that's not something that's lucky to have to fight for nine years to keep your home. Um, unfortunately, my partner and I lost um, over 200,000 euros because he had just got a new loan mid-2008, as in, you know, a, a few months. Or no, maybe it was it was actually early 2008. So um, he was, uh, we were indebted. 
uh, with a loan, um, but the collateral was a house. And in the end, um, this Uber situation uh, with the government, with the taxis. So through a taxi, we, we lost $200,000. We were never able to recover from that financially. Not many people can. You know, that's a that's a lifetime buildup yes. of, of equity, you know? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I, I ended up moving back to Australia at in October of 2019. I'm sorry to laugh, but you yeah. jumped right into the frying pan, didn't you? I did. I did. I'm really good at that. You know, uh, there was <laughs> one good thing that happened in Athens in the whole time that I lived there, and that was the uh, 2004 Olympics. And I had left during the Olympics and I was in Melbourne. I'm trying to sort out medical stuff. So, yeah, look, I'm, I've got I've got that. I don't know what it is. I'm, I feel like I'm jinxed. Uh, but at the same time, it's really prepared me for what, what is happening now. I think a lot of people have been knocked off their feet to sort of wake up very suddenly, whereas I had a much more gradual waking up. And this financial thing is about to rock everyone and they don't know it. Everyone's very, very focused on the vaccines and vaccine injuries and what literature is coming out, um, you know, the Lancet printed this and the British Medical Journal had an editorial saying that and we've got all these whistleblower nurses and doctors and all this sort of thing. I think we are watching the big circus of smoke and mirrors, to be honest with you. Well, I, I agree with that. I'm well known being a world-class skeptic, so I don't trust anybody who rises to the top suddenly and starts talking about something and being an expert or a whistleblower or whatever. I don't I don't always accept that at face value because I know how the counter narrative counterintelligence game works. When they set up a plan, you know, they cover all the bases. They have war games and and algorithms and the whole nine yard data gathering and metadata and and they know exactly who's going to say what when. So when people jump on the bandwagon of Dr. Malone this or Joe Rogan that or Carrie Madey here and just all these doctors. And I listen to everything they say. If they don't say what I know to be true or they say, oh, I believe that vaccines are great, but this one's bad or just anything like that. You know, I, I just keep an abacus in my head and i pretty quickly go, no, that one's not to be trusted. That one's COINTELPRO or, or a useful idiot or whatever. That's the hardest part and the most frustrating part about being a, a researcher and an information gatherer and a dot connector and so on. And like you, because you've had so many experiences in a lot of different kinds of ways and have woken up slowly through, I guess... <laughs> attrition. How many more things can you throw at me? That's kind of been the nature of my life as well. When I want to learn about something, I, you know, I don't have to go to school. I'm quite capable of digging into every bit of information there is out there about it, both counter and, and pro. Try to come to some degree of conclusion, but I still keep my mind open. What I see that they're doing that is really confusing people the most is, and especially it's coming on right about now, and that is all these different countries had different approaches to how they dealt with the whole pandemic game. 
and some came down really, really hard on their people and others were very lackadaisical. They went in phases. Australia, I think, was definitely pinpointed as one country that was going to be hit the hardest by the most stringent methods. Now they're pulling back, you know, this 180 degree pullback, like what's going on in the UK or the opposite in Canada. I mean, it's just, it's so confusing to people as to well, what is really going on and who's right and who's wrong here. And wh what do we expect next week? Because they're keeping everybody off their feet. In my mind, I think that's all part of the plan structure is to keep everybody in chaos because they know we all communicate with each other worldwide. They know we're sharing information and we're learning from each other. So the only way to keep us off our feet is to keep a serious level of chaos going on. But this next level, like you alluded to with the financial meltdown that's going to happen, people are really not going to know what to think about that, especially when I look at things like the trucker strike that's going on or trucker convoy, they're trying not to call it a strike in Canada. And I've heard, you know, wind that they're going to try to do similar things in other countries, yours included. It's just playing right into the hands of they're going to end up blaming them for why there's food shortages and and, you know, why people can't get goods and services and materials and so on and so forth. It's 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 how they play the game. I've watched them do it for nearly 20 years now. Yeah, they always use exactly the same strategies of confusion, chaos, uh, very, very stringent measures, then pull back a little bit, apparently, uh, backflips all the time. This uh, trucker situation, we've that's already been simulated and gamed here in Australia. I'm not sure um, if, if it came through your news wires, but we had a... Um, a large convoy of truckers um, that decided to, you know, do a strike type thing. I can't remember how many months ago it was now, but it it grew. This movement grew exactly as uh, what I've been watching in Canada and America. It started off with a couple of truckers on doing TikTok videos. Um, and all of a sudden, all these truckers are doing TikTok videos. So these people that we've never heard of before, all of a sudden, they're really angry and they're making these videos and they are rallying up um, a lot of people and they are getting a lot of attention because, well, hey, they're truckers and, and they are so important because, you know, they they keep our economies going, they keep, you know, the stuff on the shelves. So there was a lot of excitement in Australia, even from around the world in support of these truck drivers who were um, saying that they were going to um, block the roads and have their demands met and make sure that everybody had their demands met, not just the truckers. I had written a post for which I got a lot of um, it was controversial, let's put it that way, because mm. I said, well, prepare yourselves. Um, this isn't going to go anywhere. And people were like, oh, you're such a downer. You're, you know, you, you're going to manifest the worst just because you're always thinking the worst. And it's like, it's really hard to explain to people. It's like, I've seen it before, you know, I've lived it. Um, and I can see the patterns there are bright as day. And 
in the end, it basically fizzled out is what happened. The different states uh, applied different rules to a different um, to the uh, trucking industry. So in some, most of them didn't have to get vaccinated. And because their number one demand was met, that of not having to vaccinate, uh, the whole thing just stopped. Like as it started, like it came out of nowhere, it also went back and it vanished back into nowhere. That's exactly what's going to happen here. And the reason why I see it in a similar way that you you saw that coming. And yes, I've been called a Debbie Downer more than once. But <laughs> when I looked at the Occupy Wall Street movement that happened right after the the crash it spread all the way across the country in the U.S. and in many places in other countries. Occupy Wall Street. Similar methods were used in other countries, but everybody got out and stood on street corners and packed down the street and parades and carrying signs and standing out in front. Of, I I was I was there, so I'm not I'm not saying I didn't participate because I did. And it's one of the reasons why I can look back with hindsight and and see how those kinds of movements are very quickly hijacked and they bring in their own agents and they, you know, start the the counter narrative and so on. And so six months later, it was it was completely, completely fizzled out and nothing, absolutely nothing was gained from it. Mm -hmm. People. That millions of people lost their homes, lost their equity. Millions of people just didn't, they didn't follow through. You know, I would say things like, well, if all of you would just pull all your money out of the bank and stop paying your income taxes until somebody goes to jail, the resistance in a way that doesn't affect anyone but the government or the banksters. I don't think people have the courage they used to have. I think courage has been dumbed down just like everything else. And it takes courage to go the extra mile to push back against these kinds of, you know, games they play with us, especially once you understand this, they're not playing games, people. <laughs> they're, they're, they're serious as they can be. They have an agenda and they're in, they intend to see it through no matter what. Yes. Um, I, I think that courage, because um, I, I find it hard to understand, to be honest with you, people are, you know, there's a lot of praise uh, for getting on camera and speaking and writing and all of these things. And people are constantly saying that that one thing, you know, thank you for your courage. And it's like, well, God didn't give me bucket loads of courage. God gave me a really good understanding of how corrupted um, everything is right at this moment um, and has been very obviously for the last 20 years of my life I've watched it um, and that conviction and that understanding of this is it like this is really it and I don't even have children right so um, this is it for my life I've, I've seen it go down the drain and I don't want to lose you know I'm 44 I don't want to lose 30 years hiding under floorboards or out in the bush 
or you know scraping by that's not good enough so that courage isn't really courage it's just being able to see very clearly and I can see it's just glaringly obvious that this is not going to be a life worth living it already isn't a life worth living if you have some if you have principles or integrity so at the moment I can't work I cannot work because I won't wear a mask and I won't get vaccinated and I also won't contribute any more to machine learning and I won't teach machines how to do anything more than what I already do on social media which I've weighed up in my head that yes I am teaching algorithms and I am giving them a lot of information but at the same time it's it's like this race of that I've weighed up that to sort of put some light out there to give some information um, and the exchange is that they take my data but to uh, just work for a corporation to build the prison uh, without any without me doing anything of what I want to do well no I, 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 I just can't work you know normal you know jobs that aren't part of the metaverse such as waitressing or coffee making or picking lemons for that case I need to have a vaccine really so, yes and I don't a, I don't vaccinate. B, I don't mask. I never have. I, I don't test ever. I've never done a test. And I think that I think that really needs to be talked more about. Uh, people thinking that, that, oh, I won't get vaccinated. It's all right. I can get away with tests, whether that's PCR or rapid tests or whatever. I think that there has been so much focus on the vaccine so that people take the choose or think they are choosing the lesser evil when they go with testing i agree um, i agree with that wholeheartedly i've never tested either and i haven't had a vaccine since i was six years old and i and i don't wear masks and i don't social distance and i don't care whether anybody gets all up in my face about it or not i just smile at them and say mind your own business thank you and, and go about my day yeah, so like that's that's fine. Just being a customer or whatever, I can get a you know I can deal with that. But I can't work there for a while. People were sprinting into conformity with you know, couldn't wait to get in line to get their vaccine. Couldn't wait to get in line to get their tests. Complied with every single thing that you know whether it made any sense to them or not about. You know, walking in a restaurant, you have to wear a mask, but then once you sit down at the table, you can take your mask off so you could eat. Oh, so COVID doesn't hang out around the table. I mean, none of those kinds of things made any sense to me. And I couldn't believe people didn't question it and push back against whatever authority it was at the moment, whether it's the restaurant mater d or the guy at the office or, or or you know the government or whoever it was that whole thing was a trickle down effect of passing authority down to the next level over anybody that they could have authority over i pushed back against authority from the time i can remember you can ask anyone in my family yeah i i do <laughs> now it's at the point of hyper conforming just blind obedience and it's infected everywhere and it's 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 generations in the making already you've got elderly who have changed their lifestyle that they've lived for 60 70 80 years you all the way down to you've got little kids who 
from their first memories, they're going to carry on memories of wearing masks and not being able to play with their friends and, and so on. I mean, it, it's generational, four generations already in just two years. I, I think that the absurdity, you know, the example you highlighted about, you know, you don't wear a mask when you're walking, but you, sorry, you wear a mask when you're walking, but not when you're sitting. Um, I think that was absolutely intentional. A lot of Australians think that that's um, bumbling politicians um, you know, m- making mistakes and, you know, that they're being clumsy and clunky um, and that they just don't know what they're doing. Um, I think it was a, it was a demonstra- d- demonstration of two things. I think um, it demonstrated very clearly how obedient and compliant the population was and that was a demonstration perhaps to the world perhaps they needed to to test for themselves what their algorithms and their predictive models had already told them that we have a population here that is very compliant um, and obedient um, and will not question what they're told to do and secondly a demonstration of ignorance and complete lack of sense making and any sort of logic. You know, like we made those memes, you know, um, and we shared millions, I think millions of them we shared of the absurdity and we continue to do that. And it doesn't even touch um, the people uh, running ahead to get one, two, three, four, whoever knows how many boosters they're going to take, who knows how many tests they're going to do. Um, if they will end up sleeping with a mask one day. I, I don't think they've slipped up yet. I really don't think they've made a single mistake. And how can they make a mistake? You know, a lot of people tell me, why don't you go to Telegram? Why don't you go to a different platform that's not censored um, or, or that isn't Zuckerberg? It's like, hang on a second. The whole internet is their playground. <laughs> Right, it's, it's theirs. It's like their bedroom. It's like getting in their bed and thinking you can hide behind the pillow by going onto Telegram. Everything on the internet, this conversation we're having, um, everything that comes across my screen and that my eyes, you know, retain, you know, even though I've got my lens covered, they know how long I've hovered over something. They know if I've read it. We've each got between ten and thirty thousand algorithms applied to to our digital twins which is our bundle of data that represents us on the internet. Right. And that comes from a data specialist who works for, I will call it a fourth industrial revolution company because I'm not allowed to say the name because she's still on the inside. You know, like thinking that we can organize or we can talk or strategize or make memes or think that we can do it quietly, that's absurd. Or that we're outwitting them in any way. Yeah, the more we talk about how we see their plans and how we see, you know, what they're up to and what their end game is and so on, they could be in real time. Yeah. They can refine their plan. Yeah. So I look look at it this way. You know, um, I've given up a very large percentage of people who will just flow right on into the metaverse flow right on into their, you know, CBDC banking, flow right on into their, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. There's not a damn thing anybody can do to stop that because those people, I don't know, 
uh, I, I'm well on record as saying, calling them NPCs, non-player characters. <laughs> and especially after I watched the movie Free Guy, I'm like, perfect. I could have written this movie. Now I look at it as, okay, they're, they're just going to own most of the people. And they're going to, ooh, how cool this is to own a piece of property in the metaverse. I can't own a house in the real world, but look at me. Woohoo, I can own a house in the metaverse. Look how pretty my avatar is and so on and so on. And I've seen all of the revelation of the method movies out there, surrogate and avatar and you name it. I watch them all just because I know that they reveal this stuff in this slow drip method over decades. I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, well, mm -hmm. what can I do to make my life as pleasant as it can be? Because I'm not going to end it prematurely. <laughs> so what can I do to make my life as pleasant as it can be? Yeah. And then that. But more importantly than that, what can I do to just stay as far out of their way and under the radar as possible while simultaneously I'm on the internet yapping about the whole thing, weekly, monthly, whatever, and trying to, <laughs> yeah. you know, show some sense to a few people that maybe a little trigger thing I say or or show them will put them in the same mindset that I'm in. And that is how can we escape not getting sucked into the metaverse? Okay. And, and how can we live our lives? I don't know if you ever saw the movie surrogate in that movie, people basically no, laid up in a bed, hooked themselves in their avatar went out into the world they were controlling their their avatar robot whatever from the from their home from their you know reclining position feeling everything they were feeling you know giving them the words to say blah 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 and but yet in the movie surrogate there was a non-surrogate zone of course they always make any zone like that look as post-apocalyptic as they possibly can you know it's like horrible and terrible and trashy yeah. and dirty and nasty <laughs> and everything else but the people are free right they have this zone set up yeah. that no surrogates no robots were allowed in it was kind of like this is the luddite zone i'm i'm watching this and i'm thinking mm -hmm. you know that would be okay by me if they would just give us an area or a state or something for those of us who don't want to play this game, you can have all the rest. Do you really need a hundred percent of us to play your game? <laughs> I mean, can't some of us just as a control group be left alone as, you know, normal, rational life living humans in the real actual analog world and just leave us alone and see what happens. You go ahead with your plans for all the rest of humanity and I'll be happy to go there and I won't bother you and you don't bother us. But I just don't see that ever being allowed to happen. No, neither do I. Imagine a bunch of healthy Luddites um, enjoying life <laughs> and the word gets out 
Yeah, the next thing you know, you got to have a border and you got to have a wall and you got to have guns. And you got to defend the place from the zombies out there who chose to go the other way and screw it. Well, take it a step further. I'm going to take it a step further. Not only would we be defending ourselves from them, um, I have noticed when I say I came back, I, I, I grew up in Melbourne. I was 25 or 26 when I left. I spent a lot of time in Athens and, and only came back here for like a couple of weeks at a time just to catch up with family. And I saw the changes. I, I, saw, I saw the crazy changes um, as being very dramatic because I didn't come here so often. So, you know, when you're away for, you haven't seen somebody for a, a long time, you see the, the changes, you know, they're very striking. But if you see somebody every day, you don't notice these changes. So when I got back finally proper uh, this time, and I've been here now for, you know, two and a half years or whatever it is, I feel like I've come back to another country, Laurie. What do I mean by that? It has changed so much in the time that I've been gone. And I know this is going to be a hard for Australians to hear, but Australians used to have quite a lot of integrity. So they've always been naive. So, and they have remained naive, um, but they've lost their integrity that sprang from that naivety and that good life that we used to have. So we've still got naivety on the political front, but people have now become conniving. Um, and it really, the whatever's happening on the global stage, on the political stage, that dog eat dog, um, evil, um, no scruples, all of that has trickled down into the subconscious of Australian people. So what I'm finding is that I've met quite a few truthers. I've met quite a few people who don't really care about politics. They're not one way or the other. They just kind of like follow whatever orders they have to get through just to go along. But their heart isn't in it. And what I'm finding is that, and it can't be just my experience. So I, I'm not the kind of person that thinks the world revolves around them. Um, as in, you know, oh, things went shit in Greece because I was in Greece. Or the, the weather's not good because I'm here. Like, I don't think this way. So I have to think, well, I'm experiencing something I can generalize about. And the experience that I've had for the last couple of years is that I've met about one good person who had uh, some kind of integrity and character um, versus, yeah, okay, I'm, maybe I'm embellishing, maybe I've met a few good people. But on the whole, everybody I have dealings with and we're talking like I'm paying people to do stuff. It's not like I'm asking for, you know, handouts. I'm not asking for favours. Um, it seems that not even money will get you a job done anymore. Um, everybody is trying to rip everybody off. So to get back to the point of this zone that we might end up in, what I fear most right now is almost not even the UN and the governments and these public-private corporations and banksters or the police on the street. I'm starting to actually be really wary of, of just the normal people, just the public that's out there because on some level they know how much has gone wrong and it shows in their actions and it shows in what they say. Uh, it shows on their face. 
they don't know where this pit of negativity, this pit of, you know, they're so skeptical of somebody who's come into the shop to purchase something or somebody who needs something fixed at their house. They're, they're skeptical and they're cynical and they're jaded with somebody who's offering to pay them to do something. They've got the wrong outlet, the wrong focus for everything that's gone wrong. You know, on some level, all this has permeated everything that's gone wrong and they don't know how to channel it. I, I'm totally following everything you're saying. I totally agree with you in that I suspect that it's because they're so frustrated that they can't do anything about it from, you know, above them. It's like they're yeah. standing there holding their arms out and and spinning and wiping out anything next to them. So it, it's gone lateral instead of the focus yeah. and angst and anger going up to where the blame should be. They're just... Exactly. Using the shotgun approach of I'm, I'm pissed, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm broke, I'm sad, I'm whatever it is. And so they're just lashing out, even quietly, you know, subconsciously, subliminally, they're doing it. And I agree with you 100%. I've watched the same thing in the city that I live in, uh, in the last 20 years, the de devolution of pride and uh, integrity and quality and all, all of that kind of stuff go completely down. And yet I've kept mine at the same level because that's who I am. So the more they fall, the more I feel like I notice it. And, and yet I, I'm not going to devolve the way they have. And so I keep trying to point people you know, I've actually heard you use the same term I do, and that is zoom out. Zoom out from whatever you're hyper-focused on and get above all this crap and look down and see what the plan is and see who the organizers are and see why they're doing it and how they're pulling it off. Because if we don't do that and we keep devolving the way we are, we're just going to turn into a world of zombies. And that's that's exactly what they want. That makes it so much easier for them because no one will push back. Not against them anyway. And and I, and the truth is, or the people that have woken up, they've just been squeezed so tightly. Um, and, and you know what? And lots of truth is aren't empaths or good people, you know, just that somebody knows right. what's going on doesn't make them a good person so I've got a um you know I, I suppose I'm in you know complaining Cindy mood today and because I have a lot of people saying oh we need to unify or you need to like you know create some kind of unity <laughs> I'm and, sorry I can't um, help it you know you can take that love and light shit possible. and you can cram it right up your ass because I've already tried that I've already tried that multiple yeah. times across my lifetime and that has never worked, okay? The only thing that works is anger and justice. And I, I'm just I'm just as serious and straightforward as I could be about yes. that. When I say the word justice, I don't yes. mean get justice for me. I mean give them the justice they're due. 
That's what I mean, okay? I've never been one of the love and light people. <laughs> if we're choosing sides for like battle, I'm not picking one of them, you know, <laughs> because they'll just curl up in a ball over in the corner somewhere and they're not going to be any good for me or for anybody. Again, I, I can think of a million non-compliant things that people can do that are just simple, don't comply things. If you want to go, you know, get a bunch of people together and say, okay, can't we just build a consensus here? And can't we all just get along and find a common ground and fight for the same thing together and so on? Sure we can. But see if you're smart enough to do it without weapons, without violence. Are you smart enough to do that? Because I can think of a thousand ways that you can do it without either one of those. Okay. And it isn't trucker strikes. And it isn't going to school board meetings and yelling at the superintendent and the people on the committee board or whatever, right? And and yet, when mm -hmm. you say, okay, what if, now I'm just giving you a hypothetical here, people, what if some organizational group put out all their marketing and flyers and Facebook social media posts and event invites and however else you want to do it and just say if you pay your taxes in america it's april 15th okay then you want to talk about courage it's it takes courage to say what mm -hmm. i'm about to say here okay but when april 15th comes along if you guys all rush to get your tax form and your check-in to the post office and you know by midnight on october 15th kiss my ass because you you cannot you do not get to complain about the government and the powers that be and all of that while you're writing them a check and it's the same thing with if you don't like the way the banksters yeah. treat you and you don't want a new world order great reset cbdc wef imf world bank control then take your money out of the bank just remove your money well, it's not about scared. They're too lazy. No, That's too much scared. like work, in my opinion. It's just too hard. Oh, well, then I won't get be able to use my Venmo and I won't be able to use my Amazon card. And I won't be able to, you know, write a check for to the utility company. No, you're right. You won't. It's going to require a complete reset on your part just as well. So what are you going to do? You want your reset on your rules or do you want their reset? Pick one because that's all you're going to get. There are so many people, particularly people who haven't lost their money yet, um, who think that if mm -hmm. they, they stay on the sidelines and they keep quiet and they don't share Cindy's memes, or don't like a post that they'll just fly right under the radar. There really are people who believe that the only people that are going to be reset are the unvaccinated. Nothing could be further from the truth. They're playing, they're playing a game of whack-a-mole. Yep. They're just, yep. you know, every once in a while they'll pop their head up like a little meerkat <laughs> and see what's going on in the world and then think they're going back under the radar. And, and nobody's going to get to them. Nothing could be further from the truth. 
they're they already got you in their pocket. They don't even need to <laughs> worry about you until the last minute of the end game because they know that you will go without a fight. Yes. Yes, there were all, all those people. I remember so many people in 2020 saying, I'll never take a vaccine. You know, I'm just wearing a mask, but I'll never wear a vaccine because, you know, the mask was okay. It wasn't invasive. And, you know, we told, you know, we told them, you're wearing a mask, you'll get the vaccine. It's simple, you know, like we know this, they know this, everybody knows this. Like, are you the only person that doesn't get it? So the same people that masked and distanced unwittingly um, are the same people who went and got vaccines without really their consent. They were coerced into getting them and they got them. These same people who are somewhat awake, they've still got their kids in these schools. Um, I don't know how much information uh, directly from government websites, directly from these, you know, NGOs and these partnerships and these really, really well-known, reputed, prestigious institutions telling them directly what's going on. And then they, they, they make a post and go, oh, look at what happened in the classroom today. You know, like, it's like, hang on a second. Why are you on my page? Why are you writing this story? Like, and I know these people have the, um, they've got the flexibility, they've got the finances for mum to stay home or dad to stay home and do homeschooling. And yet they're out there trying to make their millions and complaining about what happened at school and writing letters to the school board and trying to rally up other mothers who haven't got a clue about what's going on. Um, and they're, they're turning their children into like little warriors. And I so disagree with this. I was a very mature child myself. And I remember myself, you know, if there was going to be a warrior child, you know, I would have been a good pick for that. You know, I had no problem going. I did have a problem, but I could do it. I was able to go up against peer pressure, both at primary school or grade school, as you call it, and high school. The thing is, just because a child is mature enough and can do it and can withstand the pressure of going against the tide, it doesn't mean agree, you're not damaging those children, that you're not traumatising them. And so there's a whole heap of mothers sending their kids to school without masks and the kids are doing like they're doing it because like they're little warriors, right? They're being, you know, rewarded for this and, um, you know, like whatever mum says, whatever parents are, that's what their children are. It makes sense. However, I, I don't understand how people haven't extracted the truth is why truthers who can't afford it still haven't Everywhere. taken their children out of the schools, not just Absolutely. in Australia. I'm talking about America primarily. You know, like you're a disgrace. If you can afford it, um, you must pull your children out now. This is this is what the reset is for. It's not for 44-year-old Cindy sure. and Laurie. It's for the next generation. This is the new normal for the new generation. And when that generation is old enough, we're going to drop the adjective, you know, of new. It will Absolutely. just be normal. No, I, I love your passion. I, Sorry. I'm, I'm boiling over with it myself all the time. And the more I talk <laughs> to someone like you who has intelligence and has taken the time to learn about all these things and 
and understand them, I get right in there with you. I mean, I have people look me up all the time. They see, they, I mean, I've, I've got nearly 15 million listens and that's nothing to really sneeze at, even though I'm not bragging about it. It tells you how long and how many times I've gotten put, put myself out there. I have people contact me all the time. Like you said earlier, oh, you're so brave. You're so courageous. No, I can't help it. I, I, I would prefer to not and say we did. It would be a lot easier and it would save me a lot of time. And I would just live my own merry life. But I feel compelled for some damn reason to try to get other people to see, just to see, just to hear things that they wouldn't normally go look for on their own. Every bit of everything that Cindy and I have said so far is easily found on the internet on any one of these hundreds of websites, agencies, forums, organizations, NGOs, governments, banksters, name it. It's all out there. We are not making it up. <laughs> We're just reading it and telling you what it says. And one doesn't need to use an alternative browser to find it. Google is just fine. It's all there. It's just like if you're walking down through a path in the woods, okay? And the path is so well beaten that you know that hundreds, if not thousands of people before you have walked down the same path. And if you never get off that path and go, you know, walk somewhere where there's actually some grass growing and some trees that haven't been cut down and, and maybe some critters romping about and a bug or two and a bird, if you never get off the beaten path, then you're, you're not going to discover a whole lot of stuff. I would much rather, I already know what I know, and I already have plenty of friends who will tell me what they know or what they found out. But if, if I don't go looking for what the clandestine plans are that aren't, aren't so clandestine at all, I mean, they're spelled out. World Economic Forum couldn't be more concise and more clear and more organized than it is about the next, practically the next millennium's plans. I mean, it, it's, it's off into infinity. Even simple things like Agenda 2030. People say, oh, I've never read that. You know, well, you know what? There are, there are hundreds of people who have read it and who have it broken like it down into theory. a synopsis that it's like the Cliff's Notes version. It's pretty concise and easy to understand. But if you want to see what the overall plans are, just go read it. No, it's not like a, you know, nonfiction, uh, I mean, a fiction novel or watching a movie on Netflix. It's pretty boring stuff until you really get to understand it. Then you can write your own Netflix movie out of what you learn. You know, I was talking about courage a little while ago and it, it really, people, you know, like with these truckers in Canada right now, they're like, oh, you know, they're so courageous for doing this. Okay, I'll give them a like a C for courage. They all <laughs> got together in this large number like it appears they have. If you don't 
end up when this is over, when you turn around and go home to your home and your bed, if you can't say you did more than ride in a convoy, and and even if you brag that you were able to get the Prime Minister of Canada to pull back on his vaccine mandate bullshit, then even if you can say that, I'm sorry, but when I get done laughing, because I will be, that was already in the plan. (laughs) You didn't accomplish anything. They were going to do it anyway, or they won't do it, period. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay, so... Absolutely. Yeah, this 100%. this is already plan B, C, D, E, F, and that. contingencies have already been war gamed out, and they know exactly when the bubble gets off level. They know exactly when the algorithm says we are, you know, wah, 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 critical mass has been met. Okay, with for this plan, time to to pull back and then yeah. whap them with this other plan. And you know what the other plan's going to be? They're going to take credit for pulling off this scenario of we got them to roll back on the vaccine mandate. And maybe even if they get them to roll back on all of the other noxious rules and regulations that that, have been in place. And maybe they'll even take credit for getting them to roll back on the COVID pass. By the way, I'm not afraid to say any of those words that you're not supposed to say because you're going to get taken off the internet because you know what? That's just how it is. So, but anyway, if you, if they can even think they're going to take credit for them to pull, pulling back on the COVID pass, like what just happened in the UK, right? Guess what happens next? While you mm-hmm. weren't paying attention The COVID pass was never a deal anyway. They never intended to get a real big, serious deal going about that because guess what? The global ID, the biometric ID, the blockchain wallet, Federal Reserve, CBDC ID is what's coming next. And that's going to come on the heels of a financial crisis. And so while you guys are breathing a sigh of relief, (laughs) we got rid of the COVID stuff. Okay. And you'll be next. Australia will be next. They'll pull back, but then there'll be a whole new crisis and nobody will care anything about COVID stuff anymore because the next thing will be, if you don't sign up for this, you won't be able to transact. If you don't sign up for this, you won't be able to travel, buy food, the whole shaboodle, the same thing they tried with the COVID thing. So the same game agenda will apply. It will just be a different method of getting you there. Yes. And these people that have been learning for two years, uh, who've just unlearned everything because a couple of governments said, oh, we'll roll back the vaccine uh, passport. We'll roll back the mandatory Uh, vaccines now that 90% of the population has got them they need to be trained well (laughs) no shit they need to be trained all over again like I feel like I'm competing with um with the controllers I don't know I want to bang my head against the wall to be honest with you because you know what like there's 
there's a group of people, there's quite a few people. Um, they are the least watched people, uh, people with the worst numbers on social media who are constantly being banned or shadow banned to a degree that um, people don't take them seriously because truthers are just the simple people that we knew before who know something new but they still follow numbers. Um, I can tell you from my own experience, I've been, I've been on the internet for a really long time. With my face on the camera, it's only been two years. And I can honestly say that I've written some magnificent pieces. I've done some magnificent videos that right. went absolutely nowhere because I didn't have numbers behind me. Um, now that my numbers you know, have increased a little bit, I can see, I can see the difference in the quality of my work and the response to it. You know, like now, just because I have numbers, you know, like I can say something that's really not that interesting, not that cool, not that informative, and people will like it just because they are, you know, accustomed to going with the crowd and going with with the numbers. So, like, I, I can sort of see both sides of that. Yes, we're going to have to do this all over again. So all the information that's been coming out of the best sources that I've found have always been about a year ahead in the game. So we were talking about vaccines and vaccine passports in early 2020. By the time 21 rolled around and people were getting vaccines and, um, and whatever they were doing with that, we were talking about digital enslavement, the panopticon. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you follow Alison Horva McDowell, who was really well ahead on this um, social impact investing and how right. this um, stakeholder capitalism will work and what the fourth industrial revolution really means. Us on a digital leash, essentially, you know, we're going from, from our labor and our toil being our, our slavedom to our bodies being um, what enslave us. It's really, really interesting if you think of it from the perspective of they used to um, tell tall tales. They used to tell stories to our minds and they used to speak to us through the news and the television and all the other mind manipulation and brainwashing avenues that they have. They used to tell tall tales like, oh, you need to get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. You need to get a tetanus shot if you stand on a nail. You know, if you, did you uh, did you smell the rust? You better run and get a tetanus shot. Um, fear porn about terrorism um, and all these you know false flags that we had. They were tall tales to get us to do things physically, so that we could be frisked at airports without getting upset about it. That so we could be X-rayed. That we would have all our data um, available, transparency. So like we've had so much imposition and so many of our right. rights taken away based on tall tales and now the reverse is coming this is really interesting they're going um so all that storytelling that went through our minds and culminated in new behavior new physic like doing things physically differently you know changing our physical reality based on stories it's being flipped around on its head and our physical being is what exactly. will limit our minds in the metaverse. Like we, we will be put like into, into tall tales via 
our, our body. I mean, I haven't really crystallised this thought, but it's sort of coming through of just everything has been flipped on its head and our physicality will be limited. Well, I've kind of extrapolated that a little bit myself, <laughs> especially because, like I said before, I watch a lot of these revelation of the method People call it predictive programming, but that's not what it is. It's literally revelation of the method. The way that works is, is they script something in a fictional way that is actually going to be nonfiction in the future. Okay. If mm -hmm. you are limited, this is brutally honest, what I'm about to say next, but humanity's bodies are not what they used to be. They're fat they're not as muscular, they're not as quick or flexible or any of that, okay? And it's a product of lifestyle. They're, they're bloated. Even skinny people are bloated. If you, know, if you watch movies from the 60s or the 50s and you compare them to the people of today, let's set aside just the obesity, right? And look at the quality of the fat on people. They are a different species, just like Australia is a different country. I have to agree with you completely. Um, we on a physical level, not just on that mental level, um, we're a different species. And I think I noticed it in the 90s. Like when I look back at photos, I see the change happen in the 90s. What I call, whether you want to call it evolution or devolution or sideways pollution, I don't really care. But the, the poisoning, the fact of the matter is, poisoning. is there will be a huge amount of people who will find life so much more fulfilling in the metaverse. Now, I'm not talking about putting on those stupid Oculus headset things and all that. I'm thinking way beyond that. That's just for show for now is to make people think oh, I'm not wearing those or those who say, Oh, it's so cool. And you put the gloves on, you can feel the whole experience and yada, yada. Okay. What I'm talking about is people literally, literally becoming inert. There was a movie a long time ago called Wall-E. If you never saw that, but all the humans, the earth was pretty much destroyed and all the I humans were it. in a spaceship hovering above, above earth waiting for the day when they could reoccupy the planet. Okay. When you think about how many people mm -hmm. are unhealthy, unwilling, unenergetic, the, all, all of the combinations of poisons and foods and chemtrails and whatever else they've been throwing and fluoride, whatever else they've been throwing at us, people are going to find life much more exciting <laughs> in the metaverse. I would much Absolutely. be much happier. And I, believe me, I don't even like camping. Okay. I don't like bugs and dirt and cold and rain. I don't like camping, but I would be willing to be a camper as opposed to going in the metaverse. Not only have I never had one of those swabs stuck up my nose and tested, I am literally never walking in the portal of the of the metaverse of any kind. Never going to go. Period. Okay? That's how adamant about it I am that 
And that's how impactful yeah. watching the movie The Matrix was to me. It it affected me on a visceral level that I could ever be tricked into thinking that I am living in one reality while I'm actually living in another. Joshing around with everybody about it right now and making everybody, you know, that what they call the initial marketing phase where they just sort of throw stuff out there and they sort of start their vernacular and their word games and inventing new words and in in the whole like urban jungle kind of way they've already dumped billions of dollars into this future plan again if i could be just left to my own little territory where i could just not live in the metaverse and be fine like you know the amish and the mennonites are allowed to quietly and peacefully live okay but they're never they're they're not going to allow that because there's this other plan already been in the making for a very, very long time. First, it was Agenda 21, and then it was Agenda 2030. And everybody in every country, basically, that's worth its grain of salt, is already signed on to this thing and has already implemented the plans. And by, by 2030, Agenda 21 just happened last year. And by the way, everybody... <laughs> Did you notice the big changes that happened <laughs> in your life? Okay. And so Agenda 2030 is the next hump. And they aim to meet that goal. Trust me. And Agenda 2030, if you haven't ever read it, is pretty freaking scary because it literally is the evolution of you will own nothing and you will be happy. That's what it is. You won't get to have your own property. You're going to be living in stack and packs in cities. They're going to slowly but surely buy up all the land that is rural and, and not a city. And there's just going to be hub cities all over everywhere. It's going to be in Australia. It's going to be in the United States. It's going to be in Canada. And they're going to make sure that they have huge swaths of land where no humans get to go. Absolutely. They've already started um, making um, places that are national heritage and so forth unavailable to the public. And that's been going on around the world. And I don't know if you you caught um, Sherwood Forest, which is, you know, the story of... Um, Robin Hood, where that comes from. So there really is a, a real Sherwood forest somewhere in the UK. And they've loaded it up with, with cameras and 5G technology so people can visit it virtually. Oh, for God's sake. So in the trees and in the paths and, yeah, this is what they've done. So that if you have, you know, a, a haptic suit and a pair of Oculus goggles um, from the comfort of your home in Florida, you can visit Sherwood Forest. Now, that may be a great, you know, an alternative, an option if you can't get there and it's something you really want to see. Um, that's, that's what I was going to say. That's going to be the only option if you want to see it. Yes. And some beautiful, you know, crystal 
clear waters yeah. off the coast of somewhere and you want to go scuba diving, well, put your Oculus glasses on because, sorry, we don't allow people here anymore because yeah. you're destroying the yeah. reef or whatever. Well, now it makes some sense to me how um, our native population of Australia, or the, you know, the original people of Australia we usually refer to them as the Aboriginal tribes there is a place in Australia that whilst I was growing up it was called Ayers Rock so it's a big red rock in the center of Australia it's quite a famous picture now some point in my life that became politically incorrect to call it Ayers Rock and it got named to Uluru which is the the name that the Aborigines have given this sacred place and so there's always this talk about it and very in only in the last couple of years although there used to be tourist expeditions there um, and tourist travelers could see it but th- there were sort of quotas of numbers of how many people could go there and where exactly they could go and what exactly they could do um they, they stopped people being able to um to explore it, um, I, and I don't, I don't think they're taking visitors there at all anymore. And they're putting it. So what they're saying is that you know the Aboriginal tribes have got together and they've made all these decisions. And I, <laughs> I would put my hand in the fire, which means I, I bet my bottom dollar that this is another infiltration. Um, and a use of, you know, a Soros-type plan, you know, George Soros, who, who gets in there and um, and mixes things up a bit, always a, a very vulnerable population um, to try things with. They were the first people to get smart money or, which, or programmable money. So instead of um, welfare benefits coming in the form of cash in a bank account that you can draw and spend as you wish, they were the first people to um, to receive cards uh, that had um, contracts on them, meaning that they could only spend the money that they were receiving on specific products or, or specific places or um, they couldn't turn it into cash and do what they wanted with it, which is what is up for us next. And that's what digital currency all about and people just do not understand you know you'll have people saying oh but the black market you know like we've got to get those people who are using cash on the black market because the government's <laughs> losing money and that's why we're all so poor and it's like oh my god there is no hope for you there so, is no Cindy, hope <laughs> several times now during this conversation we've used the word they they are doing this and they are doing that. And I often get people, you know, pushing back against me, like, who are they? You're always saying, everybody's always saying they, who is they? And I'd like to discuss who we think they are and that they're very real and that they have an agenda and that the agendas are written in stone all over the place and being followed every day we both know about black rock and vanguard and davos and the bill and melinda gates foundation and all of these worldwide organizations that meet 
plan, organize, make war games, have focus groups, collect metadata. But what people don't really grasp very well, I don't think, is why they why they do this, why this agenda is so important to them. I'm going to go first and I'm going to say who I think they are and I'm going to say why I think they're doing it. They've made it very clear who they are because they've written all their plans and been so bold as to put them on websites and uh, white papers and uh, form groups and NGOs and all kinds of ancillary agencies. So it's not just they, the government, because people automatically, when you say they, they think of the closest focus that they can, you know, see and and they and they think it's the government and they think it's just the you know authority figures over them making laws and rules and mandates and so forth but they is much bigger than that they are the ones that are controlling the governments they are the ones that are putting down the agendas for the governments to follow and they have all the money and they are the ones that use that money to wield the power to encourage, and I use that tongue in cheek, the governments to do their bidding. And one of the easiest ways to control somebody is to put them in debt. Banks, the IMF, the central banks, country by country, all that money control trickle, trickles up to the top. So they are the ones with all the money and the money wields the power. So they want to save the world from the useless eaters of humanity out there who are with free will able to just go and do and be wherever they want up to now for the most part. But they just implemented a pretty strong plan to show those who think they have free will to come and go as they please and go wherever they want, that they can't do that so easily anymore. So the next phase of this they plan is they're going to use all these agendas like global warming and climate change and whatever else, carbon credits and social credit systems and all of that to finalize the control of who goes where, when, and how. In your opinion, as the answer to this why question, why if they have so much money and so much power already, why would they want to go to this next level to make us transhuman, make us think that they're going to extend our lives with all these magical, miraculous medicines. And why, what do you think if they, if you sat them down and said, well, you know, in, in your perfect utopia, what, what would the world be like? I'm one of those people that's a little bit guilty of simplifying things. And at, at first glance, it's like too simple to be true. Um, and then I get caught up in details and make it harder than it is. And then somehow I always revert back to the simple first idea. And my, my gut feeling, my understanding 
of incredible wealth and power because the they we're talking about are the people that take the resources out of the earth. So when you have access to the resources of the earth because you have a military industrial complex behind you and you can just get rid of anyone who gets in your way, um, that is taking something from nature that costs you nothing when you're printing your own money you are providing something that is in very high demand um, around the whole world, and that is energy and fossil fuels. So they are the people that control the resources of the planet, the coal, the titanium, the lithium, the, the water. Um, and we have seen that as part of globalization. And we have seen how countries no longer own their utilities and, and um nor do they print their own money. So everything has gone to the hands of private, um, private, private money, basically, private individuals and groups that organize themselves, own the resources and own the world and run the world. Why, what is their driving, um, what is their driving ambition? I suppose that once you've conquered uh, the Middle East and Africa and What's left would be the Western nations, the ones that had some kind of sovereignty and offered a better life to their citizens. So I, I think that's the point we're at. I think they always had the resources, um, but now they've got the technology to enslave the Western populations as well. And, you know, what is it that drives them? I think it's simply pecking order. Have you ever seen chickens? Um, or anything in the wild. I don't right. think there's any animal species that doesn't have some kind of hierarchy. And I think once you have that power and control, I mean, the, the reason for the pecking order is who gets the food first or who gets the space. You know, this is my territory. This is my food. And I'm guilty of going to beautiful beaches that I expected to find, you know, desolate and empty once upon a time and getting there because I lived in Greece and you know it's known the Mediterranean is known for its beautiful beaches and I would get there and there were hordes of people and people coming in on ferries and being dumped on this you know a small island and it was like why don't those people go away I want this place all to myself and I very much firmly believe that that scaled up is exactly what they're doing. Why would they want to share the beauty of this planet when they don't have to, when they can find ways that they don't have to? And so under this pretext of global warming and climate change that we've been hearing about since I was in grade three, so we're talking about nearly four decades, We've been building up this narrative that humanity is destroying the planet. Our wants and needs and our overconsumption is what's um, taking everything and ruining this planet. And we must atone for that now. And so when this uh, vaccine blah, blah passes and when we've had enough of pandemics, the the true full-time permanent lockdown will come under the pretext of A, saving the planet from us pillaging it, and B, 
because you know if you're home you're stuck in a house you're not using energy you're not using a vehicle you are not traveling anywhere you aren't creating extra carbon um, so we're moving into permanent lockdowns and the pandemics are the practice run of getting us working online, entertaining online, shopping online, you know, and who are they, who, who are these groups? Well, I think, well, the bankers are bankrolling it. The Fed in America is not a national bank. It is private individuals who have, who are who are borderless, who have no heritage, so to speak. They do not have people. They're not beholden to any country. They want to own the whole world. So they don't feel that they have to be nationalistic or patriotic about wherever they were born. The, the people that are the face um, of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and all these people that have had all this money and they've had it for centuries, and they've, you know, put all our governments in their pockets and they've put the institutions in their pockets, you know, the MITs, which would be the interface for us. So the interface for the public is the universities um, and tertiary education, the medical system, grade school, primary school, high school. That, that's our interface with them. That's how close we get to them and where we get brainwashed and conditioned. Now, between the banks and the, the university we attend, in between there, there is things like the Tavistock Institute, which feeds the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. If you go to their website, um, and I will get to, if you go to their website and check out their courses called Human 2.0. Now, Human 2.0 is another version of Human Plus. Um, which is essentially a better name than transhumanism because transhumanism doesn't go down well with us. It doesn't sound so good. So they've renamed it Human 2.0 or Human Plus, which essentially means that one listens to Klaus Schwab, Schwab who is the, um, the director and founder of the World Economic Forum, which is a group, an organisation that... Uh, amalgamated with the United Nations in 2019, I believe they came together very formally to say that, oh, you know, we're allies and we do things together. So we've got, you know, we've got private money in the bank. We've got these organizations and institutions, these supranational institutions like the United Nations, the UNICEF programs that they have the World Economic Forum, the International Monetary Fund. We have all of those and then we've got our institutions and it's very, very hard to pinpoint who's always behind but we know the poster children that we've been given and they would be Klaus Schwab and to any listeners who don't know of a man called Yuval Noah Harari, and his name is spelled U, sorry, Y-U-V-A-L, Noah, as in Noah, and Harari is H-A-R-A-R-I. And he is, he's actually a historian and a philosopher, that is his training. He's an Israeli, and he's working as a futurist. 
So it's very, very interesting that they've chosen the historian to work as a futurist. So essentially what we've got is somebody who understands history and how populations are transformed and changed and reset and how we get new paradigms um, in life because I've got different paradigms than what my parents did or what my grandparents did. And these people are setting up the future and how are they setting it up and how do we get back to how we started this conversation? And, and we started this conversation with the PSYOP, um, the psychological operation of them pulling back and rolling back these, you know, one size fits all vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. And what will, what I expect, what I predict that we will see is that all these doctors are coming out and they're actually getting exposure even though we had doctors for, in March of 2020 coming out and speaking, but they didn't get any airtime. They're getting airtime now because I think the perception that they want the audience, and the audience is the 7 billion people watching, right, um, to, to see is that one size doesn't fit all and to embrace something called precision medicine. So this unfairness of locking down a whole state like Victoria, which has more than 6 million people in it based on one case of, of COVID um, and other ridiculous, absurd things like that. You know, they'll close a whole school because there was somebody that tested positive or they'll, um, they'll shut down, you know, the, the enormous spaces and, and put lots of people out of business based on, you know, a, a summary offence, essentially. So everybody's got this sort of like in their, whether they're aware or not, they can see how, how unjust that is and how unfair that is. And so when they're offered precision medicine and when they're told, well, you know, if somebody, you know, that you came into contact with is locked down or isolated or receiving some kind of treatment, you don't need to have that. And we'll only know that you don't need to have that. We can treat people on a case-by-case -case basis and we can tailor this medicine and we can individualize it and personalize it if you agree to have your biometric data available to whichever company they're going to be offering you to use. So, for instance, somebody, I mean, our phones already have this app built in and you can't get rid of it and these health apps are somehow able to work out how many steps you took in a day so how much you exercised uh, where on the planet you were and what the temperature was there on that planet and lots of people wear those fitbits or watches that um, rate, measure their respiration what do they yeah, measure they measure so. i think heart rate yeah like these yeah these vital signs so what's coming up next and is so the factual part is the biometric surveillance and that will go from being something that you self-report or something that a doctor reports or something that comes from a carryable like a, a cell phone or a wearable like a wristwatch and it will become either implantable or ingestible. And I'll drop another name now. Um, his name is um, Albert Bourla, and he's the CEO of Pfizer. 
and he has gone on the record in a press conference talking about this ingestible pill which is able to i don't know go somewhere in your body and report your vital signs and the the amazing benefits of this um of this chip that you swallow is that your doctor will be notified immediately if your heart skips a beat or your your blood pressure goes up too high and you'll get immediate attention and this is the, the, the campaign, the selling points of this um, biometric surveillance is that you won't have to go into lockdown if you don't have a temperature. You won't have to do anything. Um, it'll be the other person, you know, the person that's got the problem that gets locked down. Or if you happen to be the person sick, you're not going to bring everyone down with you. And at the same time, you'll have this awesome, amazing, personalized treatment plan I just, you know, I want everybody to reflect on the last time they went to their doctor and complained and cried about their symptoms and how much their doctor cared. So, like, we're talking about people barely care when they are in person and you're seeing someone crumble before you and these doctors are going it's all in your head you know you're just upset you're just stressed it's just menopause it's just this it's just that um take this pill and relax and instead now we're also meant to at the same time as collapsing the economy we have been collapsing the healthcare systems so these really shit doctors you know with these incredible credentials who can't, you know, can't tell your pinky on your toes from, you know, the nostrils on your face. They're, they've had protocols, basically. They've been following orders for a long time so that we don't trust them anymore, so that we can adjust to the new paradigm of technology is everything and technology is not biased. And that technology will know what's wrong with you far better than the doctor because, you know, this is, you know, internal and personalised and you don't have to describe your symptoms anymore. You know, the computer just knows. Yes, we are walking straight into transhumanism. Is it all perfect and is it all working yet? Not really. I don't think so. They, they have been doing a lot of research from what I see for, for decades of how to get inside the body and how to communicate um, you know, how to get biological matter, organic matter, how to create an interface between biological matter and silicon and wires. So it appears that there is a lot of technology oh, boy, there already. Boy, they aren't they? I mean, you, if you sit back and listen to, to some of these websites and doctors and videos they're making about all of the advancements they've made in, I mean, they're just out and out bragging about their use of nanotechnology and nanographene and you know nanobots and all of it now i mean they they don't even pretend to hide it yeah it's 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 the pre-marketing phase still they still need people investing in it whether that's investment with their trust or with money or with um experimenting with these things um but essentially they need us to build it you know, they need our data to get the encyclopedia's worth of information that they need to train the machines and all of oh, that. Oh, you mean the people who get 
their DNA freely and happily to, with to 23andMe and Ancestry.com and all of those other apps and programs so that they can find out where they came well, from or who their great aunt and uncle were or well, what part of the world promised. they, you know, have some DNA from or whatever. The thing is, they'll be promised that um, give us your DNA, give us, you know, your blockchain history or your parents' blockchain history and their medical records. And we can screen for anything that's going to come your way. And just like the vaccine, we will be able to preempt your disease, your illness and whatever you're predisposed to or, you know, that your genetic markers say that could happen to you. We will treat you in advance. And thus, people will actually never know. You know, they'll never be able to prove, oh, you would have had diabetes type 1 had you not done this. For decades, when you go to the doctor's office, they ask you, I mean, they give you this long pages of checkbox. Have you ever had this? Have you ever had that? Is your family, your direct history? And they've been logging all that stuff for decades and decades, right? Of course, then they come out with the HIPAA thing to make everybody think that they're being protected. Their medical data is being protected. And yet at the same time, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, any any of the, uh, the groups or government entities that pay out for anything, the insurance companies, again, owned by BlackRock and Vanguard, are collecting all of that data. It's pretty interesting how far some of these triggers go back in my mind when I think about these things of, you know, how long these plans have been in place and these these timelines, these flow charts of how we want to accomplish this, that, or the other have been in place. You said something, uh, you know, when you first started talking about resources and the wealthy that I've been thinking about for years. Yes, they own all the resources. And interestingly enough, the one thing that they did that put us in the place that we're, they're going to use against us today is they created all this useless crap useless technology for us to want to, you know, have to have, oh, we got to have that, got to have the newest phone, got to have the newest TV, got to have the newest appliance, the newest car gadgetry, whatever it is, you using up all of these resources, okay, and dumping them back in the landfill to make all the money that they have today, that they're going to turn around and use on us, to put us back and put us in trouble or in, in punish us for all of the consumption that they've led us into and, and coerced us into buying and, and using. And now they're going to turn around and say, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. We're going to own everything. You know, we're going to have the latest yacht and, and airplane and jet and boat and gadgets and mega homes and and everything else but you can't because you know why we'll be able to buy our carbon credits from from the carbon credit bank and you won't be able to afford to so too bad for you and i mean it 
it's 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 an economic loop feedback loop that sucked us in and now it's going to spit us back out the other end and now you got to quit consuming and i'll tell you another thing that i just kind of clued in on that there that is a very useful tool for them again blackrock vanguard berkshire hathaway all the big money owns all of the insurance companies and they own all of major banks and real estate companies. So now they are able to control, not only are they creating this bubble and I, nobody's going to convince me otherwise, they'll, they're creating this bubble on, on purpose, just like they created the stock market crash before. Recently, I got a cancellation letter from my insurance company. If I didn't put a new roof on my house because it was 20 years old and anything older than 10 years, they won't insure you anymore. And of course, because I live in Florida, you know, even though we've (laughs) never had a really bad hurricane in the part of Florida that I live in, hurricanes are a threat. So on top of that, you know, they can nitpick anything about your home because in order to have coverage, they require you to have an inspection. And so these inspectors can come around and go, well, this electrical box panel is a little old or we don't like this about your house or whatever. And they can threaten to cancel you if you don't bring whatever it is up to date. Well, the next thing you know, of course, you know how long it's been since they implemented smart meters, right? Measuring your power consumption and reporting Mm -hmm. usage back to the company, collecting data. Well, now they can come and and tell you the power companies, well, first it was a lure to, we're going to come and inspect your home for energy waste or whatever, and give you ways to improve with new insulation or solar panel, whatever. Okay. And so pretty soon that nice thing they did for you to help you save money on your electric bill will turn into... If you don't do this, your house, this is part of the Build Back Better program that's been failing miserably. But if you don't bring your home up to, you know, current energy consumption standards, you're going to start getting fined or we're going to not let you uh, have homeowner's insurance. Well, if you have a mortgage, you have to have it. So you're stuck, right? Or we're going to charge you more on your property taxes. Or, I mean, there's a myriad of ways that these guys can utilize all of these death by a thousand cuts methods to bring you into compliance. So it's going to be the same thing that you just said with the medical industry across the board into all of these other social constructs of life, right? Right. Without that biometric ID, you won't have health insurance. The health insurance providers will not offer um, it because you haven't given them enough information. You know how when you make a new policy, you've got to answer all these questions, sure. um, whether it's a car or your house or your health or your life that you're insuring. Um, well, without that biometric data, Um, There will be no health insurance and basically there won't be medical cover. And I wish the the doctors and nurses would understand. I really wish they would. 
that they are becoming obsolete, as obsolete as the people making coffee and the people stacking um, products on shelves, uh, people working in warehouses, uh, the same thing, they're going after the police, the judges. We are turning ourselves into pretty much what the matrix says, you know, kind of like batteries in, in, in pods is essentially what we will be. And if we're lucky, the metaverse will be a little bit fun. <laughs> the, the only the only way you're going to get your yayas is to go in yeah, the metaverse it's, it's because life is so miserable in the real world. Yeah, yeah. You know that you'll learn nothing that you said before, um, and how we won't be able to consume. Well, actually, they've they've come up with something for that also. They know they can't take the consumer out of consumers. You know, it, it's it's our evolutionary biology to to have things, to have things for bad weather, to have stores of food, to have uh, clothing and, and tools and all sorts of things. So we'll just be buying these NFTs online. We will literally be buying digital zeros and ones so our avatar can be dressed well. So we talked about owning property in the metaverse. We will literally be buying, you know, clothing like Nike clothing for our avatars um kind of how we spend money now First looked into the the nft metaverse property thing i thought what the heck are they doing what is this about and and i you know went and looked and they literally have mapped the earth and made a digital version of every piece of property on earth every piece of property is owned and controlled by the federal government, the state next, the 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 local county or parish or whatever, you know, you happen to live in what they name it. Every single county in America is a corporation. And that corporation owns the control of every piece of property via property taxes. You think you own something, you may have even paid for it free and clear, and you own the deed and the title and the whatever, but don't pay your property taxes for a couple of years and see what happens. So the metaverse has copied the, the property. And so you can go and buy, like, I saw the Taj Mahal was for sale for like four ETH coins. Ether, ethereum coins or and and so it's going to be a bragging rights thing yeah. right well the next mm -hmm. thing you know you won't own anything yourself in the yeah. analog world but the only thing you're going to own is going to be the digital version of it exactly and for the people who are incredulous as to what we're saying i would just like to remind them of digital currencies when they first came out and people were talking about buying nothing for real money or what we can, our fiat currency, which can actually purchase land and clothing and food and heating. When they were, you know, exchanging it for digital zeros and ones, there, a lot of people would have thought, oh, that's crazy, right? But then they played with the stock markets and they, they made it so alluring. They made sure that the first people that bought um, into digital currencies made a small fortune. Sure. You know, do you remember when, you know, Bitcoin was like with 
three cents or whatever. And then out of out of nowhere, out of left field, all of a sudden each one was worth a thousand and like next week it was seventeen thousand and it just went from strength to strength and everybody who thought, you know, who had said, Oh no, that's not real, I'm not going near it, I'd rather invest in something more solid was kicking themselves because, you know, a bunch of people made you know, millions literally with um with these bitcoins and so anyone who is you know not understanding what we're saying or thinks that we're making it up it's exactly how it's going to happen there will be people and they will be bragging about their new nike shoes that their avatar is wearing and it will have some kind of value in this metaverse like it will raise credit. your status your credit it score. will raise yeah. your human your well i mean score. why do you think that yeah. they implemented and don't even don't people out there don't even think about arguing that China as a communist country isn't part of the game because they are. Okay. And so the very first spin-off of the social credit system was created for China by Google. <laughs> It just makes me laugh that people didn't see yeah. any of this stuff coming, right? In the meantime, China is it has an unbelievable amount of debt, okay? They're about to go bankrupt, but it, they don't have like a central bank like we have. They have the Chinese version of the communist Chinese Communist Party central bank. They're sitting on mountains of debt. Well, where did all this debt come from? Well, just go online and type in, I think the most recent article I read said 27. So 27 Chinese smart cities and go read about how the Chinese have been building these smart cities. And guess who lives there? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody lives there. A few caretakers, 27 yeah. Manhattan-sized cities full of smart infrastructure and stack and pack buildings and streets and whatever are sitting there completely empty, all funded by the Chinese Communist Party and whatever other banksters joined in because they knew something nobody else knew. And these smart cities are, are sitting there empty for what? Why? For, I mean, some of them are like a decade old sitting there. So you're thinking, well, so why would they do that? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they have people living there? Because they're not ready. At some point, they'll just shut down whole sections of their country with Agenda 2030 concepts, just like we were talking about earlier. And they will move all of those people into those smart cities. Now, of course, you're going to have to probably win a lottery or something drawing to get in. It'll be top level, top dog first and on, on down to the worker bees. The concept has already not only been thought of, but it's been built already. Just like in America, yes. you know, a few years Absolutely. ago, they came out with, I believe it is the third, third largest, third or fourth, but probably the third largest cause of death in the United States is medical error. Now you add that yeah. to what you were yeah, just talking about destroying the medical industry, the hospital doctor 
private practice game as we've always known it. If you need medical care, mm -hmm. if you can't find a shaman or something knows a little bit about holistic medicine, they already showed you in the last two years, oh, the hospitals are full of COVID patients. We can't have cancer patients in here right now. We can't do elective surgeries. And Here they've outright said, and, and they've actually, um, they've done it as well. They've said that uh, transplant uh, candidates that were, have been on lists for years and it's their turn, if they're not vaccinated, they're actually not getting their, their transplant. Mm -hmm. Basically, everything will come with the carrot and the stick, you know, where, where all the truthers will have to decide actually, you know, what they're going to do. Um, it's not just about rejecting a vaccine. It's not just about rejecting a, 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 a vaccine pass or a QR yeah. code or not wearing a mask, this is going to go on and on. And, and we need to have, we need to know what lines we've drawn um, or we need to draw those lines and say, well, from past that, I'm not doing anymore. Unfortunately, although it's become a stampede from a totalitarian tiptoe that we were watching, it's become a stampede because we're so distracted. Time is flying, right? You know, in this in two years, I think we I can safely say that we've seen two decades worth of change yep. in Australia. That's how much they've changed society. Things are moving very, very quickly, and I myself find myself uh, getting getting moved along into this metaverse without me wanting to. And I had to draw the line with my last. Um, we're not I'm banned again now, but I was locked out of my my Facebook account because they needed real ID. The only thing they had from me was my email. And so they locked me out of my account, which meant no messenger, no nothing, and said, well, you either give us your phone number or you create a physical key and some other thing that I didn't even understand. So I had to give them my cell number or I had to give them my fingerprint or my iris with my consent. It's not like they don't have these things. Let's make that very clear. They have these things. They don't have our consent right. to use them until we, we part with them in this way, very directly. It took me 11 days to unlock my account because I couldn't decide what to do because it was one step closer, one more chunk of data going into my digital twin. In the end, I decided I will give them my phone number, but that's it. The next time they lock me out, oh, well, I just don't have a profile on Facebook anymore. And that's not a light thing for me to say because I don't have a profile anywhere else. I have not cultivated a profile on Twitter or Instagram or Telegram or anything else. That's where I've drawn the line. And I've drawn the line with jobs. I'm not doing any of those things and therefore I'm unemployed. We need more people drawing the line, however. It's good that we talk and it's, you know, it's fantastic that we learn. The whole point of all this education is that people know what's coming next week and so that they can make a decision about what they're going to do next week because it is next week. I got a big lesson in understanding the power and the consequences of giving an ultimatum when I was a kid. I was taught that, you know, you don't do that lightly. You don't just say, if you do this, I'm gonna, whatever, right? You have to be prepared to whatever you say you're going to do. Mm -hmm. If they cross that line, that you will do it. 
because you've that's what an ultimatum means. Just like battered women who they're, they say, well, you can yell and you can throw things around the house, but you can never lay a hand on me. You can never hit me. Because if you do that, that's where I draw the line. I'm leaving. Okay. It comes right up to the point where all of a sudden one day arguments, calling names, throwing things around the house and then whack. If you don't leave, deserve whatever happens to you after that, because that's the power of the ultimatum. You have to leave. You made the ultimatum. So don't make it if you can't, if you can't be ready to stand on it. How far they take this vaccine, you know, mandate business. I'm not taking a vaccine, period. That's it. That's an ultimatum. If they came and bashed my door down and held me down and jabbed me in the arm, well, that's force, but I'm not going to succumb and I'm not going to, you know, be coerced and so on and so forth. I feel, I felt the same way about the test. You can't travel. You can't get on a plane if you don't take a test. Well, then I guess I'm not going on a plane because I'm not taking a test and that's an ultimatum. And I had to suffer the consequences for that. Right. I look at this transhuman human 2.0, however they want to couch it. I've already drawn the line. If my, if it means the end of my life, because I won't, you know, swallow their pill with their device in it, or I won't uh, let them implant something in my hand or my neck. It's always in the neck in the movies. It kills me. And, And that's it. People say, well, and then you won't be able to buy or sell. You know, many people get this mark of the beast thing confused with everything that comes along. The mark of the beast is very well defined in the Bible that you will have to say yes or no. You will have to choose or deny. There's no, you know, can't do the mark of the beast by accident. It's you will have to say, yes, I, you know, deny God or I worship Satan or whatever it is they're going to want you to say and take your mark. So I'm not that concerned about that, although I have made an ultimatum there. But each one of these processes that they're doing, and I see the I see the timeline, you know, I see the flow chart of how they're roll back, pull back, roll out, pull back. But I also know what their end game is. And I'm not going to become a transhuman. I'm <laughs> not going to put myself in the cloud, my brain or spirit or brain mapping or whatever they would come up with at the time in the cloud so that I can extend my my life. Is that life or no? So I've made these choices as I've learned about these things. And one of the reasons why I've been so adamant about learning about their plans is so that I can make those choices Before I have to make bottom line is this, I think it's valuable that we share the information that we find, whether it's sneaking up on it or whether it's blatantly put thrown out in front of our face. I have a few friends too, as a matter of fact, that turned me on to you, knowing who you are, who send me your stuff in the inbox all the time and, and, and share it with me. Shout out to Paul and Lynn, by the way. The idea of doing what we're doing, <laughs> talking about it, is important. I also think that it's important that all of us come to some agreement at some point 
where we will make that ultimatum and we will draw the line and we will say enough. If money and the power that money wields is what is bringing all of this on, then the only way to kill the beast is to starve it. It's too big at this point for us to take it down with rocks and and slingshots and guns and weapons and whatever, because we're not going to get to it, them, that way. The only way to do it is to starve the beast. So I encourage always anyone who has their money in the banks, take it out of the banks, take, put it, you know, even if you just do one first step and put it in a credit union that isn't the big banksters direct control, or if you, you know, put it in some other kind of resource like food or, you know, prepper stuff or whatever, obviously that's a hedge on inflation at this point right now, at least, and withdraw your support. You know, you don't have to buy from Amazon just because it's easy to get it, to get online, order it and get it delivered the next day. You can find things, you can reuse things, you can trade things with people. You got to reverse your mindset of... So my last words will be for the people who want to see the future from the horse's mouth, uh, the World Economic Forum and the United Nations websites are both excellent uh, sources of information, uh, particularly if they're coupled with your government website or your municipal website. Keywords such as, you know, uh, net zero, and carbon sequestration, they're very good. But if you want to see a cartoon made by Chatham House, they've got a, an 100-year timeline of each decade, basically, of how things will be. So these are the movers and the shakers. These are the people that have uh, designed what we learn at schools and at universities and who shape what's on the news. So it's a really good idea to go and see what our future looks like for us and our children and grandchildren and decide there and then if this is what they want. Because like you said earlier, you know, if it comes to the point where they're going to come at me and, and, and offer me either a bullet or a syringe, um, of course, I'm going to take a bullet. But you no. know what? It's not going to be that easy. They're never going to do it that way. Um, I think a lot of people are on, on a hill with a gun waiting for this to happen for them to actually do something and this is never going to happen it may happen on social media and it may happen to a few people that got that were in the wrong place at the wrong time but there happened to be a camera and this video clip happened to go viral on the internet and that is to scare people into doing these things before that happens thinking that it will happen but it's never going to happen that way. It's always going to be a background rollout, just as it's been these two years. And that coercion will just be with the carrots and the sticks painting us into a corner that gets tighter and tighter until people are, are kind of like raising their hands up and going, well, I, if I didn't take it, I wouldn't be able to feed my children. I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage. Therefore, they need to act now before they get into that corner. And they'll end with that. I look forward to an opportunity to speak with you again for a first time for two people who never met each other before or spoke in their lives. Pretty good meeting of minds, I think. I'm, I'm impressed with your knowledge. I've been yes. at this a very <laughs> long time. And many times I get bold and think to myself, 
hardly anybody knows all the stuff I know. <laughs> and then I meet somebody who does and I go, good, good on them. I'm so glad to see that. It's empowering and humbling at the same time. Thank you for joining me, Cindy. And I look forward to another opportunity to speak with you. Me too. And thank you for having me and have a lovely evening where you are.